Good morning and happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers in our midst. That video kind of uh, messed me up a little bit on the scene. Images of the special, <clears throat> special woman that God has placed in our lives. And I celebrate and honor all the moms here with us this morning, as well as the moms in our lives that are not here with us. And so we celebrate you today. If you have your Bibles with you, will you turn with me to John chapter 19? John chapter 19. Now, this is a passage that we have studied in the past, but it's one that provides timeless and valuable lessons on what it means to honor our mothers. And so if you are able, if you will stand with me for the reading of God's word, and we're going to start in verse 23. Verse 23. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts. One part for each soldier. Also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture which says, They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. God, we thank you for your word. And God, I thank you for this day. This special day, God, that we get to celebrate a special woman in our lives. And God, I thank you for all the moms, for all the mothers in this room, the amazing, incredible woman that they are, the incredible, amazing mothers that they are. And I pray, God, for your blessing upon them. I pray, God, that they would see today just how valuable they are, how significant they are, that they have such an invaluable, irreplaceable place in our homes. And I pray, God, that you would help us to see the ways in which you have called us to honor the mothers in our lives. And so, God, would you now move in our midst? Spirit of God, we welcome you and we ask, God, that you would teach us things that we cannot see apart from you. And, God, we recognize that whenever you're working, so is the evil one. 
And so we command every demonic force in the name of Jesus and by the authority given us by him, leave. You have no place here. God, fill us. Fill us with your spirit. Fill us, God, with your presence. And show us your heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Today, we as a nation and as a church give tribute to our moms. We honor our mothers. And that's because we owe them so much, do we not? We sure do. We owe our mothers a debt of gratitude that we can never repay. We owe a debt of gratitude to the woman who risked her very life to bring us into the world. The one who carried us for nine months and risked her health and her safety to give birth to us. And in the case of my sons, Jean and I owe a debt of gratitude to their birth mom, Victoria, for doing just that. But our moms did that. She changed her dirty diapers and held a Kleenex when you bleed her nose. She wiped away the tears when you skinned your knee and held you in her arms when you were afraid. There is no one like mom to make things better. Amen? Now, dads are cool, no doubt. We have our place. But when it comes to making everything right in the world again, there's nobody like mom. And a sad expression of this is when soldiers out in the battlefield or men in those chilling videos that we have all seen that are dying at the hands of police officers cry out for who? Mama. Without exception, they all cry out for their mothers. We owe these special women a debt of gratitude that we can never repay. Kenneba Jordan said, a mother is a person who, seeing that there are only four pieces of pie for five people, promptly announces that she never did care for pie. Isn't that just like a mom? My mom was like that. She would never eat what she wanted to eat as long as her kids were at the table. She wouldn't touch it. Now dads, <laughs> dads are like... Don't be touching my donuts. You go get your own. Right, Trey? Carice? Right. Yeah. Putting Pastor Ray on blast. Hey, you said it. You said it. There is no love like the love of a mother. In Japan, there's a mountain which for centuries was called the place where you leave your mother. It was so named for the legendary custom of taking the old and feeble up to the top of the mountain to die. One day, a strong young man carried his aged mother through the dense forest. As he climbed the mountain for the purpose, both understood, but neither talked about. The son noticed something. Why, he asked his mother, do you keep breaking the branches along the way? 
looking at him through eyes dimmed by everything but love, she said, so that you won't get lost on your way back home. There is no love like the love of a mother. Now, Mother's Day for many of us is a good day. Your mother is the kind for whom the entire greeting card aisle was written. And she is alive and well, and you share a deep and intimate bond with her. Or you yourself are a mother, and you love your children deeply, and they love you back deeply, or at least much of the time. And I want to congratulate our newest moms who gave birth this past year. Yes. This is undoubtedly a very special day for you as a first-time mother. This is your first Mother's Day, and we rejoice with you. So Mother's Day for many of us is a good day. But for some of us, Mother's Day is a challenging day, even a difficult one. For some of us, it's a not-so-happy reminder that we are not mothers in a society that tells us that we should be one by now. And for some that are married and are wanting children, you haven't been able to, for reasons known only to God. And Mother's Day is a reminder of that. It's a painful reminder of the child you ache for or the child you lost through miscarriage. Some of us have a strained relationship with our moms. Things aren't good between us. Some of us were raised by women who gave birth to us but didn't really nurture us or care for us in the way that we needed to. Some of us have been damaged and hurt, harmed by our moms. And some of us in this room have lost our moms and she is no longer with us. And Mother's Day is a reminder of that loss, that hole that was created in your heart when she went away. But today, regardless of where we find ourselves, regardless of where you are, we honor our mothers and pay tribute to them. Why? Not only because of the special place they have in our lives, but because our God calls us to. Because that is his will for us as his people. That we would be a people who honor our mothers. And this is something that God considers very important. So important that moms made it onto his top 10 list. Do you realize that moms, mothers made it onto the top 10 list of God? In Exodus chapter 20, we have what's known as the 10 commandments. And these are the 10 commands of God out of which all the other commands of God, all the other laws of God flow out of, and sure enough, moms made the list. Now, some of you dads are going, hey, we made the list too. I know you did, but I'm not talking about you today, okay? I'm talking about moms. But we read in Exodus 20, verse 12, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Now, this command is unique even among, this fifth command is unique even among the ten, and it's unique in three ways. First, 
It leads the list of human relationships. You see, the Ten Commandments are broken up by scholars into two parts or two tablets. Now, the first tablet contains four commandments that deal with our vertical relationship with God, while the second tablet contains six commandments that deal with our horizontal relationships with one another. And God starts the second tablet with a command to honor our mothers, and this is by design. You see, there's a sense in which all of our other relationships in life flow out of our relationship with our parents, and I'm using mothers here. So much of who we are, listen, so much of who we are and so much of how we relate to others have been shaped by our relationship with our mothers. And a perfect example of this is attachment theory. And this is something that I learned in school in my, in my MFT program. But attachment theory is a framework that explains how we as individuals form and maintain close relationships based on the emotional bond we experience with our mothers as infants. So the way you as an adult relate to the people in your life right now has been profoundly shaped by, your, by what you experience with your mother as a child. This is fascinating stuff. I would encourage you to listen or check, look into it. It's called attachment theory. But psychology and social science confirm what God has said in his word from the beginning. Everything starts here. Everything starts with our relationship with our mothers. And if you are not relating well to your parents, hear me. If you are not relating well to your mother, chances are there's going to be problems. You will have problems in the other areas, the other relationships in your life. And research proves this. The second thing that's unique to this commandment is that it's the only one in the second tablet that is a positive command. What I mean is every command after the fifth one is negative. They tell us what not to do. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not lie, and do not covet. The only positive command in terms of human relationships is honor your mother. Where instead of refraining from doing what's wrong, we are commanded, we are told to actively pursue what is good and right and pleasing in the sight of God. And third, this is the only commandment with a promise. This is the only commandment of God that's got a commandment, uh, that's got a promise attached to it. And Paul reiterates this in Ephesians 6, 2. He says, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well for you and that you may live long in the land. Now, this does not mean that if you honor your mother, you're going to live till you're 100. What it's saying is that when you honor the person that God used to bring you into the world and to raise you, and to care for you. He's going to honor you. He's going to honor you and things in general will go well for you. Because his blessing will be upon you. But the call of God to us is clear. We are to honor our mothers. Now what does that mean? What does it mean to honor our mothers? Before I answer that, let me mention what it doesn't mean. 
it does not mean blind obedience. Honoring your mother does not mean you do everything she tells you to do, especially if she is not a follower of Christ and does not share your kingdom values. Matter of fact, let me say this. Never honor your mother above God. Her words and her counsel, as valuable as they are, cannot be weightier than God's ever. With that said, the word honor here in the fifth commandment means to be heavy or to give weight. When God says honor your mother, that word means to to give weight. It means to be heavy. So to honor someone in a biblical sense, and in this case, your mother, is to treat her as someone who carries a great deal of weight in your life. Someone who, who is of great importance and significance to you. It's the opposite of trivializing someone, treating them as someone who doesn't really matter. And here in John 19, we see a compelling picture of that kind of honor. You see, God doesn't just tell us to honor our mothers. He shows us what it looks like. In the context of our passage is the cross. Jesus at this point has been nailed to a cross. His hour had come. Now, all throughout the Gospel of John, Jesus kept saying, my hour has not yet come. And we see this first in chapter 2 at the wedding in Cana where the host runs out of wine and Jesus says, or Mary says to Jesus, Sunday ran out of wine. And what does he say to his mother? My hour has not yet come. And he goes on to say that repeatedly throughout the Gospel, throughout his ministry, my hour has not yet come. Well, now the hour has come. Jesus' entire life had anticipated this moment, and now it is here. And all of human history, the, the redemption of mankind, hinges on this hour. But what we see take place here in our text is amazing. It is staggering. Jesus is hanging on a cross. He's hanging on a cross to pay for the sins of the world. Since he did not commit, and with the weight of the world upon his shoulders, in the midst of unspeakable anguish, not just physical anguish, but spiritual, emotional anguish, as he's about to be forsaken by the Father for the first time in all eternity, in the midst of all of that, he does something that cannot be missed. He demonstrates love and honor to his mother. And that's the first thing that I see in this account. For Jesus, honoring his mother was not a matter of convenience. For Jesus, honoring his mom was not a matter of convenience. If there was ever an inopportune time to have a conversation with mom, this would be it, right? Think about it. He is literally dying. He is literally dying in agony, gasping for each breath. He's about to drink the cup of God's wrath towards sin, but he sees his mother, who is in the anguish, who is in the throes of anguish herself, as she sees her son be killed, hanging on a cross, and he cares for her. And what we see here is that for Jesus, honoring his mother was not a matter of convenience. 
No, he loved her with, a, with an inconvenient love. For some of us listening right now, we just don't have time for mom. You know how life is? You have things to do. There's just so much to do and so little time to do it, and you just don't have time for mom. I'll get to her later when I've got time and space to spare. But even as he's nailed to the cross, Jesus fulfills the fifth commandment and honors his mother. Now, some of us hear that and go, of course he did. What did you expect? Would you expect anything less from Jesus? He was perfect for crying out loud. Yeah, he was. But you ever stop to consider that perhaps his love for his mother wasn't bound to convenience because he knows that her love for him wasn't either? Think about it. It, Think about what it must have been like to be the mother of Jesus. It couldn't have been easy. Now, some of you moms right about now are probably thinking, "What what are you talking about, Pastor? Are you kidding me? What do you mean it wasn't easy to be the mother of Jesus? How hard could it have been to raise a perfect child? Literally a perfect child. Can you imagine moms having a kid who never complained? Who never whines? Who never threw tantrums? Who never rebelled but always listened, always obeyed? Sign me up. But truth is, it wasn't easy for Mary to be Jesus' mother. Think about it. Her journey as a mother began at the ripe old age of 13, 14. With a visit from an angel who tells her that she's going to bear the son of God himself, even though she has never known a man sexually. Now, we've heard this so many times. We're like, yeah, that's cool. But imagine yourself. Imagine yourself as a 13-year-old girl hearing this. My daughter Piper is 13. She would have freaked out by this. And that's how Mary reacts, right? We are told that she was greatly afraid, and who can blame her? And when the news of her pregnancy started to spread, word travels fast in a small town. And you can imagine the whispers as Mary walks by with her baby bump. She was betrothed, but she wasn't married. You know the people in town were talking about her. And when the time came for her to give birth, she didn't have Joseph drive her down to Kaiser with her own private birthing room. No, she gave birth in an animal stall. I know we cleaned it up for Christmas, but a manger was nasty. And shortly after giving birth, God tells him that Herod is out to kill their newborn son. So Joseph puts Mary on a donkey. They don't call an Uber, they don't hop on a plane. He puts her on a donkey, and they travel hundreds of miles on a donkey down to Egypt with Mary carrying her newborn son. This would have taken, this would have been a one-week journey at the shortest. God then tells them to go back to Israel, so they travel all the way back to the city of Nazareth with Mary carrying her baby boy. Then when Jesus was 12, they go to Jerusalem in Passover. And when it's over, Joseph and Mary head back home thinking that Jesus is with them in the rest of the caravan. But it's not until they've traveled an entire day that they discover that he isn't with them. He is nowhere to be found. They lost the Son of God. Moms, you ever lose any of your kids? 
I remember when Piper was like three, she lost her at this outdoor festival, and then she said the panic, the sure panic that came over her, and she only lost her for a few minutes, and I think we lost Jackson too, right, at the mall? And Kaya and, and Addie, we lost all of our kids. What is wrong with us? What, what terrible parents. But Mary lost her son for three days. One day traveling home, another day traveling back, and another day searching for him in Jerusalem. And they finally find him where? At the temple. Engaging the, the teachers of the law. And Mary says to Jesus, why have you done this to us? We were greatly distressed because of you. And what does he say? Mama, why are you tripping? That's my paraphrase. Mama, why are you tripping? Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? And we are told that Mary at the time didn't get what he was saying. Now, Joseph at some point dies. And Mary's a single mother. And the words start circulating that her oldest son is out of his mind. Her oldest son is going around claiming to be one with God. He is claiming to have been before Abraham was. And the people are talking about him like he's off his rocket, that he's nuts, he's crazy. And if that wasn't difficult enough, Mary here is at the foot of the cross watching her firstborn be crucified. Is there a greater pain, a greater agony for a mother than watching her child be killed? No, this is every parent's worst nightmare. I wonder if in that moment, Mary recalled the words of Simeon the prophet who said to her as they were dedicating Jesus at the temple, he said to Mary, a sword will pierce your heart. A sword is going to pierce your heart. And her soul was pierced already. It wasn't easy for Mary to be the mother of Jesus. I want to speak for a moment to the young people here. You don't get it right now. You don't get it right now. It's okay. I didn't get it at your age. I didn't get it till I was in my 20s. Just how much her mom sacrifices for you. The burden that woman bears for you, the burden she carries for you every single day, what she goes without for you, the countless sleepless nights, the dreams and aspirations she put on hold for you, all the times, all the times, your mom's heart broke into a thousand little pieces for you. But the day will come, and I hope it comes soon, when you realize just how much your mother has sacrificed for you, how much your mom has loved you with an inconvenient love. Let it never be said of you, listen, listen. Let it never be said of you, of all the things that could be said of you, let it never be said of you that life was just too busy for mom. Let it never be said of you that that you cared for her only when it was convenient for you. My biggest regret when it comes to my mom is that far too often I loved her with a convenient love when it was convenient for me. 
when I felt I had the time and the space. For those that don't know, I lost my mom eight years ago. And not a day goes by. Not a single day these past eight years has gone by where I did not think about my mom and miss her. But far too often I loved her with, an, with a convenient love. After all, I got my own stuff to deal with, man. I got a family of my own to take care of. I, I got a church to help run. I'm too busy doing God's work. But I was, as I was sitting at her bed, bedside at the hospital, the only thing I kept thinking over and over again was if only. If only. If only I had loved her better. If only I had loved her more. If only I had loved her as she had loved me. With an inconvenient love. There's nothing I wouldn't give to have one more day with my mom. Or one more hour. I think of all the times she asked me to come by. All the times she asked me to come by because she wanted to see me and Jean and the kids. And I would say, oh, mom, another time. It's too busy right now. what I would give to go by her place this afternoon and see her. Let it never be said of you that life was too busy for mom. I know how life gets and I know you've got a lot on your plate but that doesn't change one bit the call of God upon your life to honor your mother. And I want to point out something important here. Notice it doesn't say honor her if she's honorable. God doesn't say honor your mother if you feel she's worthy of it. There is no such qualification here. And this is key. Why? Because every mother is flawed. Every single one. Listen, your mother is a flawed human being just like you. She didn't do everything right, just like you don't do everything right. And because that's the case, the call to honor our mothers cannot be based on what we think she's worthy of or not. In fact, if they were always easy to honor, God wouldn't have had to command us, right? It's precisely because it's not always easy that he gives us the command, honor your mother. Now, this is not a call to pretend everything is fine when they're not. This is not, a, this is not a call to pretend she didn't hurt you. No, this is a call to honor her in spite of those things. Why? Why would I do such a thing? Here's why. Of all the reasons I can give, here's the greatest. Because we are a people of the cross. Because you and I are a people of the cross, the very thing that Jesus is hanging on here. And the very nature of the gospel is that God gives us what we do not deserve in the slightest. He bestows honor where honor is not merited. 
He gives love where love is not warranted. And as recipients of such honor, as recipients of such love, he now calls us, go do the same for your mother. You see, Jesus honors his mother here in another important way. And we see it in the transfer of her care to John. Look at verse 26 again. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. Now for those that are tripping out over the fact that Jesus calls her woman, this was not by any means a demeaning term. It was actually a term of endearment. It can be translated, dear woman. By the way, the Gospels never record Jesus addressing Mary as mother. Did you know that? He always addressed her as woman. Not because she wasn't his mother, she was. But to underscore the fact that he was much more than just her son. He was her Lord and Savior too. But he says to her, woman, behold your son. And you can picture him looking over at John as he says those words. And then looking back at his mother as he says to John, Behold, your mother. And with that, he transfers the care of his mother to John, his trusted disciple. Now, this was a massive violation of social norms. According to the custom of that day, the care of one's mother was to be given to the closest relative. And we know that Jesus had brothers, four to be exact. James, Joseph, Judas, and John. Now, why does Jesus, as the oldest, not transfer the care of his mother to his half-brothers, her own biological sons? Here's why. Because his brothers at this point did not believe in him. They didn't believe he was the Messiah. They thought he was nuts. It's only after the resurrection, only after he rose from the dead, that they put their trust in him as the Messiah. And because his own brothers did not believe in him, Jesus transfers the care of his mother to John, who was the only one of the 12 that was there at the crucifixion. All the other dudes tucked tail and ran. John is the only one who followed Jesus to the end. Now, in transferring the care of his mother to John and not his brothers, what is Jesus prioritizing here? Follow me. What is Jesus communicating as to what was most important to him? What mattered most to Jesus was not her physical needs. What mattered most to him was her spiritual well-being. Because if all he cared about was her physical needs being met, his brothers could have done that. But he had his mother's spiritual well-being in mind. And so he transfers, he entrusts her to the one he knows will care for her in that way. Guys, let me ask you. Are you caring for your mom spiritually? Are you caring for your mom spiritually? I know a lot of you care for your mom provisionally and physically. I know you're supporting her financially. I know you take your mom shopping and you take her out to restaurants. Some of you even send your mom on vacations, and that's fine, that's good, that's great. 
But are you caring for your mom spiritually? Are you praying for her? Are you regularly bringing her before God? Asking that God in his grace would bless her and keep her and watch over her and protect her and fill her with more of him. Are you praying for your mom? Are you engaging in spiritual conversations with her? Are you encouraging her with the word? Are you sharing with your mom the things that God has been sharing with you? Are you helping her fix her eyes on Jesus that she would direct her gaze heavenward and fix her eyes on Christ and not the things down here in the world? Are you caring for your mom spiritually? And guys, I'm not saying this to make you feel bad if you're not doing these things. There's no condemnation here. I'm just exhorting you to care for your mom the way Jesus cared for his and that spiritually. Because listen, listen. All of this is fading away. All of this, all of this is wasting away. Everything is wasting away, including your mom's body. It's wasting away. But the one thing that will not waste away is her soul. And there is no greater gift you can give your mom than helping her prepare for that day when she will stand before her maker. There's no greater gift you can give your mom because the only thing, the only thing that will matter on that day is what she did with and for Jesus. Let me encourage you. Let me exhort you with everything I got. Let me exhort you with everything in me. Care for your mother spiritually. And I want to say this to the young people. Pray for your mom. Pray for your mom. You're not too young. I know your mom prays for you all the time. So you can pray for her. So when she's sad, when she's down, when she's mad, when she's glad, where? just go up to her and say, Mom, can I pray for you? And I promise you, I promise you, your mom would be so encouraged by that. She would be tremendously blessed by that. And those of us that have mothers that do not know the Lord, oh, pray for your mother. Those of you that have unbelieving moms, pray. Pray that God in his mercy would grant her the faith with which to believe. Pray fervently for that. Pray desperately for that. That ought to be at the top of your prayer list for your mom. And coupled with that, I want to encourage you to engage in spiritual conversations with her. Be bold. Oh, be bold and bring up Jesus with her. Bring up spiritual matters with her. Talk about eternal matters with her. Ask her questions to make her think, to prompt her, to cause her to think about life beyond this one life here on earth. But whatever you do, however you care for your mom, make sure you care for her spiritually. We see the third and final way Jesus honored his mother in the second part of verse 27. And from that hour, the disciple, meaning John, took her to his own home. That little phrase is actually saying a whole lot. That he took her into his home means that John now assumed all of the responsibilities, all of the care, all the protection and provision that Mary needed. And this was important because they didn't have Social Security in those days, right? 
getting our pensions, retirement funds. There was nothing of that sort. And Jesus, knowing that he's about to die and, and rise and go back to the Father, entrusts the care of his mother to the one he knows will care for her in that way. And this is an important way that Scripture calls us to honor our mothers. We are to help care for her physical needs. Her physical needs. Now, this doesn't mean that you buy your mom a Mercedes. It doesn't mean that you put her up in a new condo. It doesn't mean that you send her on a cruise every year. But it does mean that if your mom is hungry, you feed her. If she's needing a place to stay, then your home becomes her home. If she's needing clothes, you go naked and you put clothes on her bed. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Timothy 5.3, Honor widows who are truly widows. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make them return to their parents. For this is pleasing in the sight of God. Do you hear what Paul is saying here? To make them return to their parents. You know what that means? It means it's time for you to pay them back. That's what that means. For 18 years, and for some of us a lot more, but for 18 years, your mom took care of you. For 18 plus years, she went without so that you can go with. What she had, she spent on you. For your clothing, for your social life, for your schooling, for your extracurricular activities, all to help you achieve your goals and fulfill your dreams. And now, Paul says, it's your turn. It is your turn, grown children, to pay her back. It is your turn to invest in her, to invest in her well-being. That's what Paul is saying here. And he says, this is pleasing in the sight of God. Ah, this is true religion, is it not? This is practical religion. Guys, we take care of our moms. If we do anything, we take care of our moms. And Paul says in verse 8, But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. That is some strong language. Paul says, if you as an adult child do not provide for your parents, your mother, when you are able to, you have essentially denied the faith. And you are worse than an unbeliever. Why? Because even the unbelieving world knows to take care of their mothers. And if that is the case, how much more the believer? How much more you and I that have been given grace upon grace upon grace? Now, I don't know your situation. I know that some of you right now are struggling financially. You may be wondering how you're going to care for your own family, provide for your own. And I want to be sensitive to that. I know this is a difficult time for a lot of us. But if your mom is in a place of need and you are able to meet that need, by all means do so. Even if it comes at a great personal cost. For this is pleasing in the sight of the Lord.
So church, let's resolve to honor our mothers the way Jesus honored his. And guys, not just today on Mother's Day, every day. Let's love our mothers with an inconvenient love. A love that is willing to be inconvenienced. Let's care for her spiritually. And let's make sure we provide for her physically. And let me say this. Do it while you still have the chance. Do it while you still have the chance. Because you don't know. You just don't know how much longer you will have your mom with you. Do it while you still have the chance. I want to close by addressing the moms here in this room. I thank God for your moms. We thank God so much for you. For all that you are and all that you do. For all the ways you give of yourself. For all the sacrifices you make for your children every single day. Many of which go unnoticed. I look at Jean and the kind of mar- the kind of mother that she is to our children. And I marvel. Just marvel. And I think to myself often, man, where would we be? Like, where would our family be? Where would our children be? If she wasn't the kind of mother she is. Ever present. Ever patient. Ever loving. Constantly modeling for them the value of God. Constantly showing our children that Jesus is treasure that he's better than anything on earth and I'm sure I'm not the only guy in this room that feels that way about his wife the mother of his children now I know enough about moms to know that despite the invaluable place they have in the home a lot of them don't always feel that way a lot of them don't always feel significant I've done enough study to know that a lot of moms out there are struggling. And one of the things that moms struggle with the most, you know what it is? It's guilt. A lot of moms out there struggle with guilt. In fact, one therapist says, show me me a mother who doesn't feel guilt and I'll show you a father. (laughs) That's not true. But if all these studies are true, some of you moms right now are carrying guilt in your heart. You feel guilty for all the ways you feel you fall short as a mom. For all the times you lost it with your kids. For all the times you yelled at them in anger. For the meals you're not able to prepare for them. time you don't have with them or having to put your little one at daycare because you have to work 
I know I'm speaking to somebody right now. You feel like you're falling so short of the kind of mother God expects you you to be, the kind of mom you want to be. And my guess is that some of you in this room are seriously questioning your motherhood. And if that wasn't bad enough, you go on social media and you see Supermom, right? And she's cooking the most delicious, nutritious meals for her children. She's homeschooling all her kids. Her house is spotless. She looks perfect. She looks amazing, not a hair is out of place. And you see that, you see her, and you see herself in a mirror. And you feel like a terrible mom compared to that. Here's what I want to say to you. Two things. First, you know what we call these kinds of moms, these super moms on social media? Non-existent. They don't exist. No mom is that perfect. No mom. Don't buy it. Please don't buy what they're selling. Second, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is Romans 8.1, which says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I love the way Matt B. Redman applies this to moms. How he applies the power of the cross and the grace that is ours in Christ to moms. I want you to listen to what he writes. Moms, if you are in Christ, know that you stand in his righteousness and are loved by God as his daughter, all because of Christ's work on your behalf. So mom, you are not condemned by your messy home. You are not condemned by your lack of desire to homeschool your children. You are not condemned by the knowledge of how easy it is for you to love one child more than another. You are not condemned by your miscarriages. You are not condemned by your lack of desire to have more kids. You are not condemned even though you feel it when you read over and over about others' perfect parenting moments on Facebook. You are not condemned by your inability to cook. You are not condemned because your kids are not normal. You are not condemned by your desire to be alone, away from your kids for a period of every single day. You are not condemned by your body, which may not be what it once was. You are not condemned by your rebellious children. You are not condemned by the frustration of having to scrape mac and cheese off the kitchen floor again. You are not condemned by all the fears and tears which flirt with insanity and take you to the precipice of despair. You are not condemned for not being able to throw the birthday party of the year for your kids. You are not condemned for feeding your kids meals that did not come from Whole Foods. You are not condemned because you cannot take your kids on exciting vacations. You are not condemned for not living up to the standards of your mother or your mother-in-law. 
you are not condemned by your personal sins. Moms, you are not condemned. Amen to that. Moms, you are not condemned. Because Jesus took it all for you. So instead of beating yourself up for what you perceive to be your own feelings as a mother, I just want to encourage you to give yourself grace. Please, give yourself lots of grace. You know why? Because God does. He gives you grace upon grace upon grace, and that grace extends to you today. And it will be there tomorrow and the day after that and the day after. So enjoy the grace, enjoy the love, the acceptance, and the approval that is yours now and forevermore in Christ. We appreciate you, Mom, so much for all that you are and all that you do. And what you do is exceedingly important. And you are making a real difference, far more than you realize. Thank you for every little seed of faith that you are planting in the hearts of your children, every single one. Thank you for that. In the midst of your weakness, in the midst of your brokenness, in the midst of your imperfections. And moms, God will be faithful. He will be. Mom's got it. You got this. You got this because he's got you. You are enough. Listen to me. Moms, you are enough because he who called you to be a mom is enough. So we honor you this day. Oh, we celebrate you, beautiful ladies. We celebrate, we honor you. We salute you. And we love you. At this time, I'm going to have all the moms in the room stand. Will you just stand right where you are? Don't be shy. Church, can we just put our hands together for these women? Keep standing, keep standing. And even if you are with child and you're expecting, please rise. You are just as much mother as these ladies. Yes. All right, church, I'm going to ask you to do something bold now. We're going we're to all get up and we're going to go around and we're going to place our hands on these women's shoulders. on the the person in front of you and we're just going to pray for them, okay? So let's all get up. Go to these women that are standing. Place a hand on their shoulder and we're just going to take a moment to pray for them, okay? No mom better be standing on her own right now. If there's a mom around you, get up out of your seat. 
place your hand around her. And for the next moment or two, we're not going to rush through this. I just want you to pray. Just pray a prayer of blessing upon these special women. Ask God to bless them. Ask God to pour out his grace and his love, his affirmation upon these women that they would know, that they would know right now, that they would know today how honored they are in our midst. By us and by the one who called them to be a mother. So let's pray for them right now. Again, just, just lift up a prayer of blessing upon them. Let's pray. God, we thank you. Thank you, God, for these moms. Thank you, God, for who they are. And all they do. For all the ways they give of themselves. children, to their family. And God, their spiritual children in this community. Thank you, God, for our moms. God, I pray that right now, right now, right now, I pray, God, that every mom here in this room, every mom within the sound of my voice, God, would they know your affirmation? God, would they feel the warmth of your touch? Would they see, God, your eyes? Your eyes of love, your eyes that are so warm and tender. God, may they see it. That you 
you see them. You see them for who they really are. God, you see every sacrifice they make. You see every burden they carry. God, you see all the tears that are shed for their children. All the times their hearts were broken to a thousand pieces for their children. God, you see it all. Help them to know it. Help them, God, to know it right now that you see. God, you see all the times they feel so tired. All the times they feel so drained. All the days where they feel like, I can't do this. God, I don't have what it takes. God, help them to see that you see, that you know, and you love them right where they are, right where they are. Oh, God, pour out your love upon their hearts right now. And may our hands be your hands. God, may our words of love be your words of love. May our affection and our affirmations be yours. And God, we lift them up to you. We entrust them into your hands. God, we ask for every mom. We ask for every mom. God, that you would strengthen her soul. And God, of all the ways you can bless her, Father, we pray that you would bless them with more of you. God, bless these moms with more of you. More of your spirit. A greater awareness, God, of you, your goodness toward them, and a greater understanding of who they are in you as a daughter of the Most High. That they would find their identity, their sense of self in that, and not in their performance. But God, we thank you for our moms. We thank you for these beautiful women. And we entrust them into your hands for their joy, for our good, and the glory of